Statements made in CBD and poetry podcasts have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Non-prescription CBD is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent any disease or medical conditions. The CBD and poetry discussion is not intended as medical advice and should not substitute advice from a healthcare professional. I came out as bisexual and I was all into boobs. <laughs> so I decided to make a mermaid with some, you know, a topless mermaid. So how did you first cross paths with CBD? I believe that I was hanging out with a friend and he had a vape and uh, he asked me if I wanted to try it. And I said, no, I, I don't, I don't vape. He said, it's CBD oil. I use it for anxiety. And so I tried it. Um, I mean, I don't remember the experience at the time, but I mm -hmm. just remember trying it. How long ago was time. that? Probably uh, two years ago. Okay. Yeah. About okay. two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time, and now more recently? Now more recently, probably like three weeks ago, because uh, I had, um, well, first of all, my mother, she has arthritis, and I noticed she had CBD, some kind of CBD product, and um, she said she was using it for her arthritis, and it was helping her. So I, um, and then I noticed that my aunt had arthritis, and I, um, I mentioned that my mom was using CBD oil and I would probably get her some because I have a friend that runs a CBD business in Charlotte. And I, um, but I never thought about using it for myself because I never, I just didn't remember feeling anything when I tried the vape pen two years ago. Okay. Um, but recently I had uh, some bouts of insomnia and extreme anxiety considering the COVID pandemic and, and some other psychological issues. I could not sleep. So I decided I would try it for sleep. Yes. When you said you, that you tried it for, uh, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. I was wondering, is that when you had to shelter in place? Yes, it was about, uh, I've actually been sheltered or I've been quarantined a little bit longer than other people because I was, um, it was spring break and then they canceled an extra week of school because I, I teach at a university and then everyone else started getting quarantined like a weekend or two weeks later, but uh, I was already sort of working from home and staying at home at that time. And I just had, um, I struggle with uh, depression and uh, also, well, basically bipolar depression. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I, uh, I got uh, on some new medication to treat depression and it sent my mood, uh, I would say up a little bit to hypomania. And so uh, one symptom of hypomania is uh, insomnia. And so the week of uh, the, not, not the outbreak, but when it started becoming apparent that this COVID crisis was going to be uh, perduring, um, I, I had a lot of anxiety and um, also I was on new medication and could not sleep at all. So um, I decided to try um, a potent CBD oil, like sublingual drops um, for nighttime for sleep. Um, my friend recommended it specifically and I got the most potent kind and it started, uh, I started using it and it helped a bit. Okay. So are you still 
So you're taking those sublingual drops just to sleep at night. Is that right? Yes, uh, pretty much. Uh, I just put a little squirt of my tongue, like um, right before I go to bed. And uh, it, I think it helps with pain too. You know, I had a lot of tension in my body and it just eases the pain and tension. And also it just, it helps me dr- go to sleep. It doesn't help me stay asleep. I, I will say that my, part, of, part of my insomnia is waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to go back to sleep. But uh, it does help me go to sleep um, a lot faster than I normally would. So the new medication that you were taking, you still take it. That hasn't changed at all? Uh, actually, so I'm, I have an ADD and bipolar. And so I started like three new medications. Um, I had a lapse of insurance. I was off my meds. I finally got a new psychiatrist. I got new meds. But starting three at once, um, one of them is a mood stabilizer. It's supposed to balance me out and keep me from getting manic. And another is an antidepressant. Another is ADD medication, Adderall, which is a stimulant. And um, she she prescribed a like um, a higher dose of Adderall than I'm used to, extended release. So um, actually, I started reducing the Adderall by taking the capsules and putting it in my applesauce and taking half a dose uh, during the day as well. Um, because actually, with bipolar, you have to worry about. If you take antidepressants alone, you have to worry about going up too far up and getting irritable and talking too fast and not sleeping and getting basically too high. Um, so I was getting too high um, and I noticed it. Um, I'm going to have to ask my psychiatrist to up my mood stabilizer as well, um, but I haven't been able to get an appointment yet. It's coming up next week. Now, do you know if the sublingual drops that you're taking is full spectrum or broad spectrum? The difference being full spectrum has THC in it, some THC, and broad spectrum does not. I don't recall. Um, I think it does not. Okay. It does not have THC. Or if it does, it's like minute quantities. Okay. Uh, I I think I read somewhere it might show up on a drug test. Okay. Well, legally, CBD formulations are allowed to have up to 0.3% THC. I think this one said that it had trace amounts. Okay. Okay. Now, you said school was canceled for you. What classes are you teaching now? I'm teaching um, uh, a graduate class, uh, which is basically an ESL class for um, graduate students. And all of my students are sports management students. but it's, a, it's kind of a, um, I teach in a bridge program called the International Accelerator Program. And so we get uh, mostly Chinese and other countries. They come and they take courses to, incre- to um, improve their English skills and perform better in their coursework. And so it used to be just an undergraduate program. I'm teaching um, two undergraduate classes right now. It's basically ESL and right now it's advanced ESL um, and then one graduate class. Okay. I think the last time you and I taught in the same country, which would be Mexico, that's where we met, you were teaching uh, English, Mm -hmm. but English as in writing. So are you making time to do a lot of writing in addition Uh, to your classes now? Actually, I've been writing poetry. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't written fiction in quite some time about... Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I've written a lot of poetry and I'm, I'm involved in the local poetry, like, um, 
there's something called Mind Gravy every week, and they have like a guest poet. I've been the um, the I guess uh, um, the guest poet uh, twice at Mind Gravy, and um, I'm involved with some poetry stuff in my community, uh, but I haven't done fiction in quite some time. Uh, I haven't had the time because I've been in two different graduate school programs since then, and oh, um, what have you I've been really, studying? Yeah, uh, I studied basically English with uh, a specialization in applied linguistics. And then I went, actually, I went for my PhD in linguistics, uh, but I decided to stop that and just get another master's and um, continue teaching um, and, you know, maybe exploring other, other pathways. I decided not to continue into academia as okay. at, at higher level. Mm-hmm. Now, you said another master's. How many do you have? I have two, um, English and linguistics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And basically teaching ESL is applied linguistics. True. Yeah. I taught ESL in South Korea for a hot second. So mm-hmm. I know what I found is I had to come back to the States to somewhat reboot my English speaking ability. You have the advantage teaching ESL while in an English speaking country, but after a while, the mistakes that you hear over and over again start to sound correct. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I, think I have to reboot myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I taught in Turkey. Uh, so, you know, you and I both taught in Mexico. Then later I taught in Turkey for a year and I was teaching more basic levels. And, you know, as, as a as an instructor of English, um, when you're teaching, especially lower levels, you have to grade your speech and basically simplify your vocabulary. And of course, you hear um, incorrect English all day, and occasionally some forms you start repeating. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I felt like I was losing my vocabulary, especially when I was teaching abroad. And I, I definitely have it back now. Um, that, and I generally decided um, at my level of teaching, I'm not going to dumb down my vocabulary or grade my speech. I slow my speech, but whenever I hear myself say a word that I know is advanced, I will repeat the sentence and explain kind of in different words. Because you're teaching graduate students at this point. Mm -hmm. Graduate and undergraduate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But did you also say it was sports management? Yeah, that's just uh, this semester. It just so happens that all my students are sports management students. They're in the sports management graduate school program. Um, In fact, uh, USC um, in Columbia, that's where I teach. It has um, the best international business uh, program in the world. So we get a lot of international students uh, in different kinds of business specializations. There's like hospitality management and Sports management is just one of the programs. And I think that, uh, I think the IAP programs put all the sports management um, students together so that we could focus thematically on some of our um, writing. Like they're writing literature review. Um, all of them were focusing on esports, actually. Esports was the topic at, chosen at the beginning of the semester. I just chose an academic article, and then they all had to find research about that. But it just so happens that right now, um, regular sports is canceled and esports is like taking That's over. That's what I was thinking. You <laughs> predicted this, Laura, and you didn't tell the rest of us. 
I had no idea it would become so relevant, but of course some are writing, one student's writing a paper about how esports is uh, going to progress and maybe even become an Olympic sport because of the, you know, the COVID-19 2020 crisis, uh, sports are changing. Um, and, you know, um, virtual reality and training of athletes and stuff. I have heard that gaming has become a form of PE exercise or something like it counts as a PE credit in some schools. Very common with my students. Um, Most of them are Chinese, some of Japanese and some other um, nationalities as well. But uh, gaming is really popular. Um, among my students. I chose the topic esports because I thought it would be um, something everybody could relate to and we could connect it to other things outside of sports. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I am not into gaming or esports, but I am sitting, if you can see my chair, I am sitting in a gamer's chair because I said, okay, I'm middle-aged. I need a comfortable chair as I do my computer work. And I know these gamers will sit in a chair like this for far, (laughs) far, far more hours than I will. So it has to be comfortable. And they were right. So that's (laughs) my only real connection. When I I bought a new office chair, Mm -hmm. I said, okay, what, who sits in a chair much longer than me? Ah! Gamers. (laughs) Gamers. <laughs> That's awesome. I bet it is comfortable. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. It has a head pillow, a lumbar support. You can adjust everything. And we're talking about people who are maybe a fourth of my age mm-hmm. sitting yeah. in a chair much longer than I am. So hats off to them for doing the research. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, I know the audience doesn't know you, so I can kind of ask you questions because I know what you and I were into when we were in Mexico. Mm -hmm. But as far as when you're not at work, when you're not writing poetry, what are you doing? Um, I'm actually a big fan of karaoke these days. So every week I go to... um, the local bar, there's kind of like a karaoke club in Colombia. Um, this woman's really good at marketing. Um, her name is Linda Carr and she does this, like, um, she gives you the little care, bucks. Like if you, every time you show up to one of her shows, she'll give you an, an extra like buck and then, or one of her little money things. And then you get five and you get a free drink, but I don't know. And there's sort of a community around, um, all of her little locations and, you come and you sing songs and you get a certain number of songs. You get to go to like a, an awards banquet and stuff, you know, anyway, I just got into it. Um, and it was, mo- I was motivated by, um, especially that sort of club. Um, cause I really enjoy just music and getting on the mic. I, I can't say that I'm like good or anything. It doesn't matter because it's karaoke. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, I don't remember <laughs> you ever singing. I don't think you've heard me sing. Um, actually it's helping me overcome my shyness. I know that when I get up and read poetry, I like hide behind a book, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not good at the performance aspect. And I think it's actually improving my, my performance overall. Um, I do speak for a living, you know, in front of a classroom, I have no problem speaking, but actually, uh, lyrics or poetry, something creative, uh, I feel like shy, (laughs) So I think karaoke's helping me um, 
break out of my box and become more of a performance artist. You know. I just remember one time you and I were basically roadies for my roommate's band. Do you remember that? We went out yeah. of town and that but you and I weren't singing. We were basically yeah. I know I drove. We were all in one car, weren't we? Yeah. What what was her name again? Amy. Amy, yeah. I should, can't rem- can't I remember really the name of the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ex- except for the part trip. where I locked my keys in the car, but <laughs> yeah. That always happens, something like that, right? I, I, I'm always, um, the, the mind gravy thing with the poetry, it's also got a music feature and there's always live musicians as well. So it's a combination of um, uh, music and um, poetry. And also I'm, I do uh, visual art and lately I've been doing um, sculpture at my aunt's studio. Um, she has an MFA in um, uh, pottery. And so she has taught me a lot of different things and I, I realized that I, I love working with clay. I feel like I'm molding something from the earth and the 3D aspect really appeals to me. I love human bodies and human forms, but I've never been able to really capture depth when I'm painting. Um, when I'm working with something 3D, it's, it's much easier to you know, capture depth, obviously, because it's three-dimensional. Now, when you went from painting to working or pottery or clay sculptures, did you find it challenging to go from two dimensions to three dimensions? Absolutely not, because I originally went there just to play, and um, I made something sort of abstract, like something about the universe. It was like a flat panel, and I rolled up little balls, and I put them and made the balls like larger, and, it, and made it, put them in a sort of spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no problem conceptualizing something and forming something out of s- something as basic as tiny little balls pressed into clay. Um, but as I have started molding human bodies, um, I, cause I've made like five little miniature baby mermaids and like a merman and a mermaid. And, uh, the mermaid was just sort of, I came out as bisexual and I was all into boobs. <laughs> So I decided to make a mermaid with some, you know, a topless mermaid. And um, I, I don't know, it, all the, this huge project um, came from that because I asked myself, how, how does a mermaid make a baby? And, and anyway, how does a mermaid make love? And so I created like a mermaid sculpture with a sort of hole in the side of her where in the end I made baby mermaids, which were emerging from her little, little I guess, womb. And then I have another... Uh, little baby mermaid like suckling at her nipple and it it became something about childbirth and fertility and then at the end I said well how how did these babies uh, come to play and then I made a merman and I think that without the help of my um, my aunt who was a master artist um, she sells pottery all over the place she used to be an art teacher Uh, I, I would not be able to craft things such as like the little fingers on a mermaid or she, she might help me um, uh, create a, a more realistic shoulder on a man's torso, you know. Um, she can help me correct and, and also help me conceptualize it and figure out what's the best strategy. So I would say that some of my, many of my sculptures, the more advanced ones, are collaborative work uh, with me as the primary um, maker and her as the sort of expert um, uh, 
helper, you know, as, as a teacher to help me hone my craft. Do you find now that you're uh, sequestered that you have more time for art? Um, no, at this point I don't because uh, it's that point in the semester. Um, first of all, I was struggling with depression and I was really behind in my grading. And then I got sequestered, quarantined, and I had a ton of work to catch up with. And then all of the instruction moved to online and remote instruction actually in my experience requires more work um, because we have a synchronous um, class time face to face with the students uh, on the screen. And then also there's, uh, there seems to be a lot more work involved and we're all trying to figure out how to put uh, the ESL classroom online and, um, and make things like, for example, to prevent students from cheating, we have to learn new software and, you know, it, it's been uh, a, a sharp learning curve, I think, for all educators everywhere. Um, and anyway, I haven't had much free time at all. I've been ex extremely busy. Um, hopefully, though, uh, in May, uh, in May, I really look forward to some quiet time, uh, some non-busy time where I can just make everything like I'm so excited because I have my home office set up and now there's an area for art and I am excited about the the free time after the semester ends because I really will work on my art then okay do you normally teach summer classes I do but there's about three weeks something they call May mester and it's sort of I think it it ends at the end of April early May and then it starts like June, like either the last week of May or early June. So I have at least three weeks of solid downtime. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Now, when we worked in the same country, we were both writers and we were also drummers. <laughs> you remember? Yeah. You and I both somewhat started a writing group and a drumming group and you took That's help right. for the writing group it's like going down memory lane <laughs> memory lane yeah and then and then i took the helm for the drumming group so mm -hmm. i have to ask you because i know at one point you owned your own drum i still have the drum that i had when i was in mexico are you making time to drum anymore i um you know my drum head broke years ago. One of my ex-boyfriends put some stereo equipment on it and it broke. And, and then I went for so many years without drumming that I, I decided to give my drum, which was just the bass because the head was broken, um, to uh, someone who drums professionally. Um, and he actually, you know, he makes drums as well. I decided to give it, to donate it to my friend, basically. And um, event, since then, I have actually... Um, somehow acquired two more djembes <laughs> and then I ended up giving another one. I said, why do I need two djembes? I still have a talking drum, but I have a djembe and a talking drum. So they're, they're new drums, but I don't, um, I don't attend any drum circles or anything like that right now. And it's been uh, quite some time since I actually drummed. I don't see myself as uh, someone who can maintain a rhythm in solitude without other people. And so drumming for me has always been a communal um, act and music to me has always been communal 
um, to do it uh, in isolation and to practice without other people around, it, it seems to me kind of pointless. And also, I'm very bad at keeping keeping a beat when there's no nobody else or no other rhythm to uh, accompany me. I know you can find a virtual group, but right now you don't have the time. It sounds like and I I, I did a. Uh, watch a virtual session and it wasn't, it didn't appeal to me, but I thought about um, looking, I thought about joining a drum circle in Columbia, like a live one, because I know about one. I know there is a drum group that exists. And once we get out of this quarantine, I, I thought about it because I'm at this point where I'm realizing that a part of me has been completely neglected. And that part is the music, poetry, art, Part, you know, my creative brain. And uh, that is one of my like potential goals. Um, but I can't see myself enjoying drumming online. I will do a like quarantine karaoke. Can I even say that word? Uh, I'm thinking about doing that because they made it a private group on Facebook. So um, I'm already planning the songs I'm going to sing and I'm, I'm ready to. Uh, to perform for which genre uh, do you like to sing i i like singing rock alternative rock occasionally blues um indie rock uh 70s and 80s music also yeah i have often heard it said that the same energy that you use for creative projects is the same energy that you use for teaching so it it does make sense when you say, I've got to wait until the semester's over, then I can relax and I'll have the energy to put into poetry, pottery. I did write a poem the other day. I just, I haven't like been focused on it. Um, I can always pop out a poem here and there with even when I'm busy. Um, but I do have an unfinished novel and I think now is a very ripe and perfect time because what else, what the hell else am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? I have an unfinished novel. I mean, I, I've, I've submitted it to um, uh, my, um, my writing instructor from undergrad years and I applied to some MFA programs. I didn't get in. Um, but he said that that work was much better than my um, other sh short story that I submitted it was the first chapter. And I think there's a story there that still needs to be told. I kind of have to go back and remember, remember that story. So it's yeah. autobiographical or based loosely on your life? It is, um, it is a story about a woman who is bipolar. So it's based, uh, it's based loosely on my experience um, with a uh, mood disorder you know, with a mood disorder and struggling with that. But this woman is a lot more, uh, a lot crazier than I am for sure. And uh, she's, she goes through, I suppose she's sort of my alternate reality of what I could have been like if, if I'd never been treat, you know, found the right treatment for my, um, to treat bipolar depression. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura, so much for taking time in your busy, busy schedule. You're making me feel guilty. It's like, oh, she has no. papers to, to mark or something. 
It's only like 30 minutes. And honestly, it's been so long since I've heard your voice and seen your face. You know, we write, you write Christmas cards for me every year. And I just found one and read, reread it. And I think I'm going to have to write back again to that. <laughs> you know, the snail mail. You know, thing. it's a lost art. And I'm going to cry if the Postal Service is bankrupt in September. I don't even want to think even about believe that. It. Well, I heard because now that many businesses have shuttered and if this sequestering goes on, then the post office is going to be bankrupt. And yeah, I just sent out a batch of homemade birthday cards because there's four mm-hmm. birthdays in my family in April. So I think, no, no, we have to have the postal service. It's How can you not? People, not even just for business, but like you said, people like getting that kind of, it's not a bill. It's yeah. not advertisement. It's something personal. And that's one of my little projects. Yeah. I just got a mask from a friend from actually elementary school. Like uh, I saw she was making mask on, um, you know, pretty nice, well-crafted cloth mm-hmm. mask uh, mm-hmm. on Facebook. And I said, Hey, uh, are they for sale? And I bought one and she sent it in the mail and even decorated the little package. And um she and I used to be pen pals when we were in elementary school. We met at like church camp or something. And wow. so I just, I just said, you know what? I think I'm going to start writing Jess again. Like, <laughs> cause she's an artist. I'm an artist. We haven't spoken in oh, 25 years, but like, why not? Even longer than you and I haven't. Spoken. Oh yeah. I mean, wow. like I'm talking like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, something like that. Nice. And it's so fun to see her like, um, you know, becoming an artist. I've seen her artwork on Facebook, but uh, I would love to be like pen pals again with her, you know? Yes. Can barely sleep, dreaming of boobs, dreading the plague, the highs, the lows, singing for courage. Embedding fingers into clay, connecting to the earth. Digging within the depths, emerging sensual mermaids. Birthing a fantastical world. Talking drum without anyone to talk to. Poetry seeps into the fabric of life.